Welcome to the Drivable Podcast, where we discuss all things about driving and safer community transport for people with disabilities and medical conditions. Even if you haven't done so yet, make sure you go back and listen to some of our past episodes. We've got some amazing interviews. We've recorded quite a few now, um, and all of them are super engaging, super wonderful, and lots and lots of gold to learn about things like NDIS, funding, um, different types of options, how you can get your trials. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's great. So get in there and listen to some of that. Yeah, g'day everybody. Um, today we've got a unique and interesting episode. Uh, in this episode, we're going to speak to Belinda O'Connor. Now, Belinda is the founder of Bioptics Australia. And you might be asking yourself, what are bioptics? They are a unique thing that are available to help people with central vision loss. And But I'll let Belinda explain a lot more about that. She's... Um, a, a massive force in this area and I can't wait for you to meet her and talk about how bioptics are assisting those with issues where previously they weren't allowed to drive. So should we get her in Ali and get this started? Yeah, let's do it. I'm excited about this one as well. Driving is something many take for granted, but when someone has altered ability, then driving or getting out and about in your own car can be challenging. Driving with a disability doesn't mean you have to drive an old clapped out car with farm-like machinery and relying on a wheelchair doesn't mean waiting for hours and then being in the back of a maxi access cab getting car sick. The Drivable podcast is designed to introduce and explore driving aids for people with disabilities, vehicle modifications, the NDIS, research, medical guidelines, driving techniques and much, much more. The Drivable Podcast is to help you be informed and be in control of your own independence so you can experience freedom through driving safely and reliably. I'm Ali and with me is Brad and together we have over 30 years of experience in disability and driving. Enough of the intros, let's get into it. Okay everybody, welcome to this episode of the Drive Able Podcast. In this episode, we are talking with Belinda. Belinda, thanks very much for joining us. Let's kick it off by um, asking you to introduce yourself and telling us a little bit about, uh, well, your disability and give us a little bit more background in regards to how it impacts on your life. And then we'll get into the driving questions. Yep, sounds great. Thanks very much, Brad. Hi, everybody. My name's Belinda O'Connor. I'm a person who is or has been born with vision impairment. My um, uh, vision disability involves uh, essentially having um, no colour vision. I, uh, I have very poor visual acuity and I uh, cannot see in glare. So my, the technical term for my condition is achromatopsia. Um, so essentially means that the cones in my retina haven't developed. So I only see with the rod cells, which are the cells that everybody uses at night. Just imagine when you're you're walking around um, as though you are in, in the dark and then you walk out to the bright sunlight, like you would say um, exiting a movie theater. And um, essentially that's what I see is just uh, white. So um, I wear tinted contacts um, that are a brown red tint and I also wear uh, tinted glasses or sunglasses out during the day. Um, and uh, to drive, I am wearing currently a bioptic device, which is a pair of glasses with a telescope that sits on top. 
So uh, for, I'll just I'll just uh, jump in there for people that are listening to this on a podcast um, channel. Make sure you go and have a look at us on YouTube. We download all of our podcasts onto YouTube because sometimes the medium doesn't go well for trying to see bits and pieces. Um, and on this occasion, if you want to see Belinda's bioptic lens and what it actually looks like, I, I think she's also got some other items that she's going to show us during this. And we'll try to describe them as best as we possibly can for people listening in. Uh, but if you want to go and have a look at them, go to the YouTube channel, um, search for Drive Able Podcast, and that will take you to our shows on there, and you'll be able to have a look at them on there and have a look at the device that Belinda actually has on her glasses. But do you want to explain what this bioptic lens is on the top of your of your glasses yep. there, Belinda? Yeah, sure, Brad. Okay, so um, uh, for those who can't actually see the picture uh, at the moment and who are just listening, just imagine a pair of spectacles. Um, now that the current bioptic I'm wearing at the moment is like a, um, a little rectangular box that um, has a telescope lens that comes out of one eye. Um, in that rectangular box, there are a whole lot of mirrors. It's what's called a prism systems of mirrors um, that lets light in through um, one um, kind of uh, square rectangular hole um, in the box. And then the light goes uh, bouncing off the mirrors into um, the little round um, exit from my eye and that allows me to be able to uh, see in the distance. It's generally a 12 degree field of view so in this what's called a calepran telescope and um, uh, I have another version here that I can show people who might be able to see the video um, but just to describe it to those people who don't see the video uh, this is actually a Galilean telescope that is just like a little round uh, telescope that sits inside the spectacles um, and there's no box that sits, sits, sits on top and it actually has a smaller field of view uh, around six degrees. Um, so these are a couple of the different types of bioptics that you can get to use to drive. So just um, apologies for the connection. We've had, to, uh, we can hear you fine, Belinda, which is great for a podcast. The video connection's a little bit poor, but there's enough there to be able to see what we're talking about. Um, Belinda, Belinda and I know each other. We've done some presentations before, and I've put these bioptics on for um, to help understand what bioptics are like. And without being rude to the uh, the, the disability, the vision that you've got, Belinda, but to help other people understand how what, it, what it's like to look through. As a kid, um, when you're standing in a crowd, sometimes you get cardboard telescopes to look over the top of adults or over the top of a crowd. And you look into one mirror and then it looks through another mirror and you're able to get a higher perspective over the top of a crowd. It's... <sighs> very that's a very basic and simple explanation of what it's like except instead of it uh looking up higher and giving you a bigger picture it's actually laying on its side across the top of the glasses to help belinda look in further into the distance is that 
That's right. Helpful yeah, for um, Belinda. Is that is that a very simple layman's term of how it kind of works? Yeah. So that's um, describing a periscope system. So it is similar to that, um, but in addition to a periscope, it's also a telescope as well. Mm. So it, it, it has a magnification. Mine has a six times magnification, but you can get various um, magnification strengths from about two, three, four, five, and six. Mm -hmm. uh, and we use different magnifications depending on what your visual acuity is. So uh, uh, essentially these help people who uh, have central vision loss, which means they might be born with a eyesight condition with limited vision that doesn't change or born with an eyesight condition with, with um, acuity that might change over time or, and, or they might've had an accident or um, some sort of disease that, that uh, has deterioration of your eyesight. Uh, regardless, your condition is monitored uh, strictly by your eye health professional. Uh, so, so any changes in the conditions um, can be addressed um, and determine whether you can continue to drive or not. So um, it can help people with only central vision loss. So if you have an eyesight condition where your field of view is de decreasing, then um, or or you're born with a condition where that where you don't have that field of view, then unfortunately the bioptic won't help you uh, for that. So it's about central vision loss. And um, we had PricewaterhouseCoopers do a report um, on introducing a bioptic driving framework to Australia, and it's estimated about 228,000 Australians could. Um, be potentials for biopsy. Um, people who are from the range of 50% um, um, eyesight down to about 10% eyesight in, in that category. So there's a lot of Australians out there who could potentially uh, be assessed to determine if they are a candidate for bioptic driving. So, so that's, with, that's amazing. It's um, on a technical side, when you're talking about the field of view being 12 degrees, does that mean, um, and I guess sort of going back to Brad's analogy of the periscope slash telescope situation, um, does that mean when you're driving, you have to scan a lot more and, and like move your neck and head a lot more because you have to see a lot more? No, no. Um, so so uh, the way that you use the bioptic is uh, you are only using it one to two seconds uh, every eight to ten seconds. Okay. Um, so the way you use, use the bioptic is actually very different for driving than what you would do for everyday use. Uh, so, so driving is a very specific skill uh, for bioptic use that you get taught by the occupational therapist and they and the eye health professional. Uh, so, so you um, you do, you never scan with when, when you're looking through your bioptic, um, and and essentially. Um, uh, this is why you have to have a complete field of view. Um, and, and just to put this into perspective as well, um, if, if you're looking at the anatomy of the eye and we're looking at people who have, you know, normal eyesight in general, that little bit round of the eye that you use to, to focus on objects is only about five, six degrees anyway. Okay. So, so, the, so, so the bioptics have been designed to maximise that to give the person that 
um, five, six degree view at least with the Galilean telescope, more with the Caleprin telescope to be able to um, uh, dip their chin, look through the bioptic for one to one to two seconds and then lift their chin up to, to see the complete view. But at the same time, while you're looking through your bioptic, you can actually see your full field anyway. That's why it's called a bioptic because there are two views being seen simultaneously. Is there any, um, does that I help? guess, yeah, yeah, that's perfect. So does that then mean, I guess how I'm, what I'm thinking is uh, from a retraining point of view, um, it almost seems like it might be almost like a paravan conversion, like, cause you have to kind of retrain everything from scratch, don't you? And, and how long does that kind of take? And do you have to do a lot of lessons? And yeah. Linda, you were, you were born with the condition, yes. weren't you? Most, most clients that would go for a bioptic can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, a, traditionally born with a central vision loss you can acquire it but would more people be uh, born with such a condition yeah so so in Australia with the population we have at the moment who are applying uh, with bioptics most of us are actually born with the condition so we are learning to use the bioptic concurrently in addition to learning to drive for the first time so for us it's not actually about a change process it's about putting in a process okay. um, internationally um, and typically in the United States and uh, what, what you see is that the largest population who um, uh, uh, will be using the bioptic will be those people who are getting older, um, who are losing their eyesight due to various reasons, um, but have decades and decades of driving experience. Um, so, so they are, yes, as you say, Ali, people who have to go through a rehabilitation process. Um, and that's why you will see internationally, they have quite comprehensive rehabilitation programs um, where you, yes, um, uh, reapply for your license or it's just like adding another condition to your license. So previously, for example, you may not be wearing spectacles and then all of a sudden because of changes in your eyesight you need to wear spectacles but in this case it's wearing a bioptic that sits on top of spectacles so you go through that application process with the um, driving licensing authority and um, they then send you through a program with a rehabilitation occupational therapist who then teaches you how to use the bioptic in the driving context but also yes you're correct they also go through um, a process to relearn um, to drive using the the bioptic. Um, so so the, there are those two paradigms going on. Yeah. And and in Australia, um, like, is there uh, do the register in your experience are all the states on board with this kind of system? Has there been any uh, roadblocks in any of the states? Um, what, what's got, what's happening there? I'm smiling, Belinda. I'm smiling. I'm waiting to hear your response. <laughs> okay. So, so, um, so well, actually, stop. Well, one second, one second. Before we go ahead, I just want to clarify um, even people around Australia or anyone internationally, in Australia, we have seven states, I think, and two territories or something like that. Anyway, every different state and territory has their own set of rules for driving and licensing. So one, it's not all the same. And that's why I'm asking what are the states like, because um, it's not a federal system. 
Yeah, okay. And that's a really good um, uh, question, Ali. Um, so, so it's actually quite similar um, in that context to what the United States is, um, because they're, they're states as well. Um, uh, however, um, whilst in the United States, they, they have every separate system um, for driving and, and licensing, they, they, they don't have a federated or Commonwealth system like we do in Australia, um, such as Council of Australian Governments, or now, it's, now the terminology has changed to um, um, ministers' meetings. So, so um, previously it used to be COAG, Council of Australian Governments. So, so, so in Australia, we have an additional layer, which, which is that, that COAG level or Council of Australian Governments that includes the Australian Government, New Zealand, and all the state and territory governments. Um, and it's actually through that process at that national level that the assessing fitness to drive guidelines um, are set because they're set by all the infrastructure and transport ministers um, and they are reviewed every four to five years. Um, so, so the National Transport Commission um, is the body who legally um, holds the guidelines um, in addition to Ausroads. Um, the guidelines are an enforceable legal document just like legislation um, and every state and territory um, they they have reference to those guidelines in their acts. So, so in their act, for example, when it comes to licensing, um, their act will say something like, uh, um, if you have a medical condition, you can apply for a license under these guidelines as they are um, updated from time to time. Um, so, so, so now in terms of, of implementation, um, it, um, because of that, that Council of Australian Governments or um, Ministers um, meeting framework, it, it is expected that there's national consistency. Um, however, what you will find in state to state is that that varies depending on the amount of knowledge and understanding that people have. Um, so if we're talking about bioptics in general, um, the experience is that um, some states and territories don't have a great deal of knowledge or understanding. Um, in fact, to start off with, most didn't. Um, but with um, what we're doing with Bioptic Drivers Australia at the moment is that we are helping people go through that licensing process um, and uh, we're providing information and research um, and practical advice to driving authorities um, to help them understand those, those processes. Um, so if we go back to that assessing fitness to drive guideline um, document, that's actually currently being reviewed at the moment by the National Transport Commission. Um, and, and we have already provided a private submission that when I say we, I say Bioptic Drivers Australia has provided a private submission to the, the NTC on um, uh, what the research and practical application is for bioptic driving. Um, and um, they are currently have public consultation happening that will close on the 11th of June. So we're preparing our paper for that um, uh, ju just to give some advice. So. Um, just to let you know, there's actually two polarising views with bioptic driving in Australia at the moment, um, and um, this is not new. Um, every 
every country, um, every state in the United States has it had, had exactly the same roadblocks. Um, generally, the roadblocks come from the ophthalmology community. Um, and we know in general, the medical communities um, can be quite conservative and historically might take a while to be able to come on on board and understand. Um, so, so, so with that particular community at the moment, we understand that there's a lack of knowledge and understanding about um, the use of assisted technology um, for driving. And that's something that we're consulting with them at the moment. So, so their polarized view is that they, they don't wanna see bioptic driving happening. Um, and um, uh, then, then we have the, the other view, which is uh, wanting to have a bioptic driving program. So not only do we have bioptic driving, which has been practice in Australia since the 1980s um, and in the Assessing Fitness to Drive guidelines therefore legalised in 2012 um, but we want to go one step or um, more steps further than that and when I say we it's um, um, those who want to see bioptic driving expanded including um, optometrists and um, um, other people in the field, driving instructors, etc. Um, so a standard in the assessing for the drive guidelines that that talks to how an assessment can be done to determine if someone is a candidate for bioptic driving. And when we're talking about an assessment, we're talking not just about visual acuity, we're talking about field, we're talking about colour vision, contrast sensitivity, um, person-centered factors um, um, such as awareness. Um, and it's generally about a four to five hour assessment done by the eye health professional to determine if someone is a candidate for bioptic driving. Um, so so um, our work at the moment as an organization for Bioptic Drivers Australia is to, to um, uh, address the barriers at that national level and also at the state and territory level um, and to see through a more formalised, robust system that will allow people to um, understand what needs to be done and to do the assessments for candidates and to also train bioptic drivers. Yeah. Mm. Um, it's, um, it's actually pretty, um, I guess, common in a lot of areas of the disability industry at the moment with NDIS coming on board and so many you know, assistive technology items coming into cars. I guess it's it's like anything, you know, people don't like change. And so when there's a bit of change, there's always going to be cohorts of people that are resistant to it. So it's, um, you know, it's just part of that process. Linda, do you think that disabilities that you can see, like a, a loss of a limb and, and a left foot accelerator, as an example, might be easier for governments and so forth to understand compared to understanding what you can actually see because we can't actually look through your eyes? Yeah, I, um, that's, that's definitely a way to uh, think about it. Um, I think also to um, um, what, what probably helps in, in understanding this is that um, every segment of um, looking at the driving process always um, says that that vision is such a fundamental aspect to being able to drive. Mm -hmm. So uh, doctors say that, driving instructors say that. Um, and and the, the question really goes to how much vision does somebody need to be able to drive? What's required for the driving task? Um, so, so, um, 
Um, is there, there a criteria there, for that? How much vision? Is there, do you guys have like a baseline criteria in this yeah. criteria for assessment? Is there a consistent sort of thing yeah, around so, that? Yeah, so, so, so um, internationally, the research says that uh, for a unconditional driver's license, that is no conditions or restrictions for your driver's license, um, people who have 612, um, uh, which is essentially 50% eyesight, um, um, as long as you demonstrate that, there is no um, restriction. So um, for, for people um, listening around... That, oh, uh, for people listening uh, elsewhere, you know, the whole uh, 2020 vision, yeah, if that's that's uh, American version where it's um, size 20 font at 20 feet is what I understand. So in Australia, we're talking about six metres and six font, okay? So is the equivalent to 2020 vision, okay? So uh, we when we're saying 612, it's slightly worse than 2020 vision, just to put that into uh, context for people. That's acuity. Yeah. Yes, correct. Yeah. So, so um, um, then, then there's all sorts of research about uh, people who have um, all sorts of eyesight conditions, um, and um, and a lot of the research looks at just acuity by itself, um, which is actually quite a difficult a difficult marker, um, because once you start getting below that figure of six twelve, it's not just visual acuity that matters for the driving task. There are a myriad of, of other things, such as whether your eyes can compensate for glare, um, and and that can be addressed. Um, um, the impact of colour definition, but more importantly, the most important thing that, that research is showing at the moment is contrast sensitivity. So, so are you able to um, see those stop signs that the word says stop um, or um, the give way signs um, or those critical signs that um, you need to be able to see whilst you're driving. So, so that, that's why the candidate assessment is required for, for someone who um, is a potential bioptic driver. Um, the, the International uh, Council of Ophthalmology uh, essentially says that um, um, anyone who has eyesight above 10% or um, that... Um, um, I think it's um, 2,200 or, or legally blind, 660 and above. So between that 10% to 50% range um, uh, should actually um, have the right to be determined if they can drive um, safely and whether what sort of conditions can be put on their licence. Um, and that, and that's, that's because it's... it's what, what they're actually saying is, is not really about the, the acuity, but they're saying that there are a lot of other factors involved that, that determine someone's functional eyesight or vision, not just the actual acuity itself. Um, and, um, and that requires quite a comprehensive assessment. Now, when you're talking about allowing these, these people to drive, um, um, depending on basis, um, there would be conditions applied to their license. So, for example, conditions such as you must wear a bioptic. Um, for um, th th there could be conditions such as you can only travel in a certain uh, kilometre radius um, or or um, kilometre 
diameter from your home or travel certain destinations. There's a whole lot of different types of conditions that 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 can be put on, on licenses. Um, generally, bioptic drivers uh, that have a condition that says daytime driving only for the first year or two years, that, that's pretty standard and actually in legislation in many of the states and territories in the United States. Um, so, so, so we're looking at, at, this is why we're looking at a comprehensive bioptic driving framework that, that really secures um, an appropriate assessment for the person on a case-by-case -case basis, um, a driving um, program that is tailored to that individual, and then licensing conditions that, that give assurity and manage that risk um, for all the parties involved. So, so for me, for example, conditions and my license are I have to wear a bioptic, but in addition to that, I've also got to wear tints. And um, I'm showing you here, and for those who can't actually see the picture, this is actually a red tinted um, uh, fit over. So glasses that sit on top of my bioptic. Um, and I have to wear this during the day because my eyes are so glare, glare sensitive. Um, now, in addition to that red um, lens that I have, I also have a little brown lens cap that sits on top of my telescope bioptic. So um, what that means is that when I look through my, my glasses vision, um, um, I'm able to see uh, traffic lights and indicator lights um, because they're red or orange or yellow. Um, and when I look through um, my uh, scope, I can then see the the green traffic light because I can't see the green traffic light through the red lens. Mm. Um, and, and the reason I have to have these lenses is because I'm colorblind and glare sensitive. So in my natural state, without this adjustment, I can't see green, uh, sorry, I can't see red traffic lights, orange traffic lights, or, or indicator lights. I, I, I can't even see brake lights. Um, so, so I need these, these adjustments and conditions on my license to be able to, to have the functional vision I need to be able to drive. Yep. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, just uh, there's a couple of oh, there were so many good points in there um, to to touch on. Just to put it into a little bit of context for people that are listening in and 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 they're fascinated by this. Reading your acuity chart. Uh, so I, I've to, to put it into context as well. I've uh, been involved in teaching somebody how to adjust to using bioptics for the first time, and that's how I met Belinda. Um, with Belinda training me on what I need to do as an occupational therapist uh, to help uh, this client to be able to drive. Uh, so thank you very much, Belinda. It was great. Uh, I've learned a hell of a lot about bioptics over the time and, and how they're used. Reading the acuity chart, my client was struggling to read the acuity chart. So that 612 is just on his borderline of what he's able to read. Uh, he wouldn't have been able to drive in South Australia without being able to read 612, just to let you know. That's the way that the South Australian government interprets it. The baseline of vision still needs to be 612. However, when he looks through his bioptic, for the long distance, everything's in focus for him. So he's able to make a, it, you were saying a second looking through it. He literally yes. dips his head like he's a bobblehead doll without being rude to him at all, but yeah. dips his head down and that's all it takes for him to be able to clarify whether something's what he thought it was, okay? Um, so, 
is that pedestrian standing still or about to move? Or yes. is, is, that, is that a green light or is it a tree? And just that tiny dip of his head is enough to be able, for him to be able to clarify that that's what he saw or make an adjustment because it's not quite what he saw. Yep. And, it, and it's not taking his eyes off the road. It's, it's literally having a blink. It's as much as almost having a blink, an extended blink, um, to, to be able to clarify what he's looking at. Yeah, and, and I'd, I'd also like to add, add here too, um, we, we do understand that, that eyesight is, is a fundamental aspect of driving. And this is getting back to Ali's point about what that uh, percentage or acuity might be. And, and the answer to the question is that um, we don't know. Research hasn't been able to determine what that is. Um, it can't be just a single figure below um, six twelve. So, so we're, we're talking for unconditional license. Uh, yeah, uh, sorry. Unconditional. Um, yeah. We're talking. We're talking conditional licenses here, where where people have that eyesight below below six twelve. You know, how much is enough eyesight to be able to drive? Um, and and. Um, um, this is why um, there is such a disparity with um, that lower level is because it's, um, it's, it's not hard and fast um, and it changes based on, on the individual circumstances of the person, hence why there needs to be a case-by-case -case assessment. So, so when we're talking about people who have uh, a poorer vision, uh, such as myself, um, um, it's really critical that I'm able to be able to see things like the traffic lights and, and indicator lights and, and stop lights and give way, all those critical signs, um, um, even, even the, the, the speed signs and numbers. Um, but um, um, I don't need, need to be able to read the directional information in terms of, of what the road, um, road uh, signs say for... Um, the, this is the street name. And, and, and in fact, when, when bioptic drivers are taught and low vision drivers are taught how to drive, they're specifically taught never to use their bioptic to, to read those, those sorts of signs. Um, and, and, and in fact, bioptic drivers are taught to drive only in areas that are familiar to them. So to keep that, that familiarity and what changes around them are things like, like people crossing the road or the car dynamics or roadworks, et cetera. Um, and, and, and when they're driving in those, those familiar areas, um, when we first start driving as well, we also use the GPS a lot. Hmm. Um, now, now as, as we start to become more familiar with the driving task and are able to venture outside of those, those uh, familiar areas and say maybe go to the Sunday markets or um, other areas to visit, then um, what we do occasionally is also have somebody beside us in the car, um, just making sure that, that they're helping us along the way. We, we will use a, a GPS. We'll also do a comprehensive review of the route via Google Maps and Google Satellites um, prior to the trip. So just like you're looking at your Refidex or looking at it um, um, online, um, we'll do it in a comprehensive way so that we can uh, every 40 minutes. Um, so for example, myself traveling to Sydney, I travel to Sydney from Canberra every um, a few months or so. Now I'm able to make that 
two and a half hour trip on the freeway, no problem. But when I get to Sydney I hate traveling in Sydney by myself it's an area I'm not familiar with so so I um, have my my father-in-law who lives in Sydney in the car I also have have the GPS that I listen to because my vision is not very good I can't see the GPS but I listen to it Um, and and so he supports me through that driving activity so that I can drive all the way through Sydney city from the south to, to the north and attend those those appointments. Um, so there's lots of different support mechanisms that can be put in place for bioptic drivers. And yes, vision vision is critical, but um, uh, there, there, there's reasonable adjustments that are made and technology supports us in, in those activities. Um, not just the actual physical technology, but also um, uh, the way we, we use technology such as Google Maps, for example. Yeah, well, I, as an Adelaidean going to Sydney, I need to borrow your father-in-law as well um, to help me navigate through Sydney. I, I rely on GPS. I rely on Google Maps telling me to take the second exit and things like that. I don't have the confidence to drive in Sydney um, the same as what you're explaining now. Just to, so it's not it's not just you know the vision aspects of it all. There's a lot to deal with when you're not familiar with an environment, um, and I can imagine that if you can't, uh, yeah, if if bioptics are something that you're using, then that's that's helpful for you, but it's also helpful for everybody. I'll just uh, I'll just cut in quickly, and I don't know if you guys can hear it or not, but there's a lot of gardening going on outside, and um, and uh, I'm staying at an Airbnb. I'm I'm interstate and. I wasn't expecting this. So, and the guy is basically has not moved from the same location for the last 10 minutes. So I'm yeah. sorry about that. Uh, there's been a few technical difficulties with this uh, uh, podcast recording. Um, the best thing that we can possibly do is direct people who want to know more to Bioptics Australia. How, how could they do that, Belinda? Where could they find more information if they think that they might be a candidate for a bioptic um, with central vision loss? Where can they find more information or how could they get involved? Yeah, so, um, well, to start off with, if they can't remember Bioptic Drivers Australia, um, just do a Google search for bioptics mm-hmm. um, and then maybe Australia and our website should come up. Um, our website is www.bioptics, sorry, bioptic-drivers-aus.com. So we'll put um, a link to that. We'll, we'll put yeah, links, yeah, yeah. Okay, that'd be great. We we also have a Facebook group as well, um, so uh, you can come and join our Facebook group. There's one for people in general, another one for practitioners, such as driving instructors and OTs and uh, people who do assessments. And we have a closed Facebook group for bioptic drivers themselves. Um, and, and this is probably a really good time for me to mention too, that uh, we are organizing a demonstration event for mm, bioptic driving. This is exciting. And, this is really uh, exciting. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, the demonstration event will be held at Wakefield Park in New South Wales, near Goulburn. Um, it, it's being organized by um, a, a couple of um, driving instruction uh, companies in ACT. Um, so Ascent Training and uh, Fifth Gear Motoring. And, um, and we will be um, uh, 
um, demonstrating how bioptics work. And um, when we get further information, we'll post that on our website and also our Facebook uh, page. So it's only very early days at the moment, but look out for that. It'll it'll likely happen in either July or August. We've, yep. we've had a question from somebody about that already. So is that on a closed circuit and do you need a driver's license at that point for that one? No, uh, yeah, it's it's a, um, a, a private facility. So uh, Wakefield Park is not a public road, it's a yeah. private facility. Um, so, so, so that's so to attend um, the, 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 um, the person will not need a driver's license. Um, however, we're still working out the details for the event at the moment. Um, and um, it, at this stage, it's probably going to be invite only in terms of, of who can come along. Um, but um, we're still working out what those details will be. Fantastic. So if you want to know more, make sure you uh, get in touch with Bioptics Drivers Australia and uh, link into their website and maybe follow you on Facebook. And like I said, we'll put all of those links uh, in our show notes. Uh, and you, for people tuning into this, you can find that on our Facebook page. So Drive Able Podcast, you can search that anywhere. And we'll put all of those links as well, Belinda, on there where they can find you. All right. Sounds great. Lovely. Well, thanks very much, Brad and Ali. Good to chat to you both about you, you, you can't get away yet. We've got one more question that we ask everybody. We've got one okay. more question. We cars are used for so much more than getting from just A to B, like you've already explained. But we've we've got to ask you just the same way as we ask everybody else. What's something that you've done in your car that nobody else knows or is a little bit unique? Is there a, something, a special story of, of a trip that you've taken or something that you've done in your car that's maybe a little bit unique to somebody else? Yeah, okay. Uh, so I'm I'm actually going to um, uh, change change the paradigm here and 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 flip this around a bit. Um, and and the reason I'm going going to do this is is to give you the point of view that that um what what bioptic drivers in australia experience and that is that um uh for us uh driving in itself is such a privilege and a novelty um that that this whole concept of doing something unique in in a car um is is almost far far beyond what what we would um, consider. So, so um, that that kind of comes from a place of of um, privilege in terms of um, being able to, to drive, and and it's just accepted. So, so, so for me, um, um, every time I get in in the car, it's it's a wow. I'm I'm driving, and in fact, um, when I first first started driving um, I'd sit there and say to my partner um, look you know you're sitting on the other side now <laughs> and he says yeah no I just can't believe it. I never ever thought that this would would happen so so for me it's about those everyday things that people with disability are doing every single day that are normal to everybody else mm -hmm. um, and so driving is just one of those um, and and in addition to that things like playing my music as loud as I can and singing to the top, to, to the top of my voice or um, being able to put my bike on my car, take my dog with me and go mountain biking by myself with my dog um, anytime 
I want because I would never ever have been able to do that previously. So so it's 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 about those everyday things for us. That's beautiful. That's awesome. Love that. Fantastic. And that's why we asked the question. And thank you for sharing that and and changing the paradigm slightly and expanding on that question. We thank you very much. Uh, In fact, we thank you greatly uh, for joining us today and teaching us more about uh, bioptics and how this is evolving in the Australian landscape. And, And hopefully we can see more bioptic drivers on the road into the future. Yep. So that's it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Well, as we say in every episode, uh, if you have any queries about what you can do and what will work for you, get in contact with your local OT or mobility dealer. But on this occasion, we want to say get in contact with Bioptics Australia and set yourself up with a trial if you can, whether it's talking to um, ophthalmologists that have specialty uh, interest in this area or whether it's the uh, trial day, uh, which may be invite only. So get in now and set yourself up with a trial with Belinda. Um, Because as we say in every single episode, trials really do put you in the driver's seat. uh, And nothing could be true, Belinda, with your trial day that's coming up. Absolutely. Sure thing. All right. See you in the next episode, everyone. All right. Thanks very much. See ya. Bye. Bye. All right, everybody, that wraps up the uh, interview with Belinda. That was a fantastic episode and great interview. And um, uh, just a little bit of a change up to our normal format. So we have, when we first started the podcast, we were doing one interview and then one reflection piece as a separate episode. After a bit of feedback and some reflection of our own processes, uh, we've decided that we're just going to make it all one episode. Um, So we're going to just break down the, um, we're going to do our interviews and then we're going to send off our uh, clients. And if necessary, we might break down, you know, five or 10 minutes sort of breakdown based on what we think. And if you always want, like any other episode, we always say, if you want any more information or you want to clarify anything, just reach out to us and contact us and we can take discussions online or offline or online. So, um, so yeah. Uh, How did that episode go for you, uh, Brad? Yeah, so Belinda's really influential in this space. And um, if you haven't already, make sure you, and and this area interests you, um, and maybe you're looking to explore bioptic driving, make sure you go and look up Bioptics Australia um, and Bioptic Driving Australia. Uh, Just Google those three words and it'll take you to their website. She's doing some great things for people that can potentially drive using this uh, in technology, basically, periscope type of technology, which has got a differing focal point. And she breaks that all down. And it's, it's fascinating to actually look through one of those lenses for the first time, which is what I've done. And it really does highlight a, a focal point. And that's what they're used for. And it's really fascinating to try to get your head around how this works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I... I um. It's, it's definitely one where it's, a, it's pretty mind-boggling um, mm. to kind of get your head around it. So first of all, kudos to Belinda, as you said. She does a lot of work in this area, and, um, and you can tell by the interview she's extremely passionate about the topic. So it's, um, it's really good to have a person like that, you know, pushing their cohort and their, their forward. Mm. Um, so, yeah, but as, as we said, it's, um, it, it's, it's a challenging... So challenging, I, what I was thinking of during the episode was 
Um, so since we're since we go to school from from kindy, what we're taught is we interact with the world with our five senses, right? And so so that's kind of how we're, I guess, conditioned to believe that that's how we do everything is using those five senses. And um, and I guess if one of those senses, which is sight, is gone or almost gone, um, I think for most of us humans that have been taught that this is how we interact with the world, it's going to be extremely confronting to think about, wait a minute, this major input that we get into our interaction with the planet um, mm. is gone. And, and that's what we use as our major input. And um, how can the other person kind of do it? That, you know, and, and I guess it's very hard for us to imagine what the other person would be going through because we haven't experienced it. And because we're taught from such a young age that these senses are so important, um, I guess we're going to put a huge value. And, and for me, I'm not going to lie, it was pretty confronting thinking about a lot of those things, thinking about would I feel comfortable with a driver that's got such low vision on the road and, and they have to keep looking through the telescope every five se seconds or whatever it was. Um, I, I was uncomfortable, but I think that I'm uncomfortable because of the those aspects, you know, it's a challenging the unknown. thing. The unknown. I, I think yeah. it's really hard to imagine what it's like because in your eyes, my eyes, they we can see the environment. Um, and it's even just like me, you know, I'm, I wear glasses. And when is that point? When is it important to, to do something about it for driving? And it's it's really intriguing. And it comes across for all disabilities. When Where is that line in the sand of when it's not appropriate anymore? And, um, you know, they, they try to put a line in the sand um, at a government level to say this side is no good and this side is okay. And, but people are challenging that. And it is a, it's a tricky scenario. And with technology such as the bioptic lens, but also training mechanisms, rehab sessions, all of those type of things, we're always pushing that boundary. And uh, it's a, it's a, you know, as a driving instructor, we're always pushing that boundary of, you know, teaching methods and processes to to get to get the best out of it and push that boundary out a little bit more as well um including vision issues um but also this technology is pushing that boundary as well that line in the sand yeah look it's it's um what i've noticed particularly from my certification part of my job where i certify those vehicles the disability vehicles and disability aids, um, I guess, first thing that's happened is NDIS has come in. And as we have clearly seen, even through our own interviews, NDIS has opened up a lot of opportunities for people and they can access a lot more products and a lot more aids. Um, now, all of a sudden, all of these aids are going into these vehicles, um, but these things weren't around in the volume that they were before. So the government kind of could have ignored it or turned a blind eye because the volumes were so low and the accidents and all of that was so, it was basically inconsequential. So mm. it's no problem. And, and they kind of could sweep it under the rug. And now with NDIS and all the volume going around and in numbers of like, just before we were talking, um, just before this episode, we were just talking about hand controls and how aggressive the competition is around hand controls in the market. And that's because that's a big market and there's heaps of people using hand controls. And so, so now what the government, the authorities, like I know for me, from an engineering point of view, I'm being grilled left, right and center now by the, by the authorities, by the RMS, by Vic Rhodes, all of them. And I, by rights, I've had colleagues go, Oh, this is not fair. We're being, you know, 
ostracized. I did this the, the same way I did for the last 20 years, etc. And as I've said to them, but the thing is, is that the landscape is different. There's a lot more now out there. So if we've got, let's say, 100,000 people with hand controls as compared to 1,000 or like 1,000 people with bioptic controls compared to none, um, how is that going to change how we drive on the road and how we interact mm. and 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 should they be allowed and should they not and 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 it's a very very delicate discussion around um, freedom um, around independence around what's safe and where is that line in the sand it's it's, it's yeah. very hard and then it's also the driver as well and their personal choices went once they've been taught or got their license as well um, you know there's a there's a really interesting case at the time of this recording where um, unfortunately. Uh, there's been an accident and uh, a pedestrian's been hit and the driver had a vision issue, okay? And the the, the client has got their license back after the vision, vision issue, um, but it's gone through court and the driver's been found uh, guilty of negligence or dangerous driving. And it's that we can do training we can do rehab, we can do technology, but then it's still up to the client to have that responsibility of using those things and using yeah. those skills and using those bits and pieces to be able to stay safe on the road. We all make choices when we get in the car, whether it's whether we have a drink, whether uh, you know I, I leave my glasses on top of my head, whatever it might be, we all make choices when we get in the car and our, and our choices really need to be looking out for each other and and making sure that we're we're staying safe as much as we possibly can yeah it's 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 complicated because even Very as, as we discussed with nick in that episode nick tiago uh, mm. he had an accident um but his accident was a, kind of a situation where you know like, like a lot of people could face those situations even if they're not you know disabled you know so it's it's um it's complicated because people have accidents as well you know and that's and, it and and the highlight I guess when, if I had an accident, it's not going to be a huge highlight around how I'm able and how I'm disabled. Um, and I could have some disabilities that are hidden, you know, and, but no one's going to highlight that because I don't have a device. Um, but as soon as I bring a device in, that's going to be the highlight of the focus. And, um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's hard. Like it's, it becomes it's really political, I guess, doesn't it? It becomes very, very difficult to know. Yeah, it does. It's, it's highlighted. And that's the, that's uh, what's been highlighted in this case that's happening at the moment. It's, it's what all attention's drawn to. Um, so, so I guess yeah, watch this space, really. Uh, the government's uh, like things are happening right now, but don't expect things to change, to be the same. I think that we're going to see a fair bit of change in um, a lot of the stuff. Like as a supplier, we are getting interviewed in a good way by um, various government departments all the time now. They're coming and inspecting our vehicles. They're looking at things, making decisions, talking to public. So there's changes happening. Um, and it's all, you have to understand when a government is doing this, they need to look at everybody, the wider community, how they, how this impacts everybody. So, um, so yeah, and, and, and to be honest, what I do like and I want to encourage more of um, is people like Belinda because you can't have bureaucrats sitting in an office making decisions. You need to have the community being part of those decisions. And the way it works in Australia is you need to get in touch with your local members and you need to get, you need to muscle your way in. It's, 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 there's not going to be a red carpet, uh, but if you're an OT or if you're an end user and you've got a situation that needs to be heard or, or considered, um, you need to 
get your voice out there, you know, and, and, and I'm sitting on a couple of committees that they're looking for people with voices all the time. And, and so get your voice out there and tell people what you think, your local member and so on, um, because they want to know they're making changes now. And like Belinda said, the medical guidelines are being updated right as we speak at this time, uh, you know, as we're doing this recording, by the time this comes out, they'll probably be, uh, you know, those, those periods will have shut in regards to giving feedback, but it gets, gets reviewed every couple of years. So, um, yeah. get onto the, uh, onto the Ostroads website and, and put in your name and get the email sent to you because you might have an influential say in the future. Yeah. 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 Well, they need your, they need to say like they need, as I said, like we've been part of this, um, and nothing bad against the government, but if you don't go forward and offer to help the government, like I know on a personal level, I always do that because, I know how it works and how it works is if I don't offer to help them, they just figure it out themselves and they've got no experience and they're bureaucratic people. Like, and it's not, it's not to say it's a negative thing. That's just their job. Right. So you're going to have a bunch of bureaucrats in an office making a decision on road standards when they, if they had someone that knew what they were talking about, they would listen to them, you know, and that's why I go and do a lot of stuff with my local authority. I give them a lot of free advice and help because I want them to un hear the voice of the industry, you know, and, um, and I encourage everybody to do that as well. So it's yeah, we have, we had that with Amin as well, didn't we? Like Amin said that they have to respond to every bit of feedback that comes yeah, through. Exactly. They, yeah, exactly. So they do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. so, yeah. And, and I guess going back to Belinda's interview again, um, the one thing which, was a big shock to me, to be honest, and and I'm still kind of confronted by it, was I didn't even realize that you could have 50% vision and still be classified as fine to drive and not eat any need any aids. When I heard that, I was just like, oh my God, who's who's out there on the road with me? That's quite complicated. Um, but but that's classified as fine, you know. So so it's really interesting. Yeah, and, that, and that's interesting. 50% of vision only with acuity. But when yeah. we say 50% of, you know, visual fields, and that's different. So it gets really technical and it gets really, the best thing you can do is, is talk to your ophthalmologists, talk to your opticians, and then um, consult those medical guidelines and, and see where you fit within it. And then talk to your professionals about seeing if it's going to work for you. And um, yeah, look, that's, that's the advice for everybody with this one. It's those trials, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. And, and on that note, going out and keep trialing i guess yeah and, uh, yeah so um so let us know what you think of this next uh, this new way of doing our podcast we're going to do an interview and we're going to do a reflection as part of one podcast episode let us know what you think of this um because we do listen just like the uh, politicians we listen to the feedback and we will make changes as required and we're here doing this for you so please feedback to us what you think what you'd like to hear and how we could improve this podcast for future listeners let us know and uh we will make sure that we listen as well sounds good exactly my sentiments as well all right brad uh, see you in the next episode see you next time bye thanks for listening to the drive able podcast with brad williams and aliak barium if you like what you've heard, make sure you like, rate and subscribe. It really does make a massive difference. If you or anyone you know would like to share a story about driving with a disability or you would like to get in contact, find the show notes or find the resources mentioned in this episode, you can find us on Facebook. Just search at Drive Able Podcast for more information.